Please stand for the reading of the Gospel. We read from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up onto a mountain. When he sat down, his disciples came to him. He opened his mouth and began to teach them. He said these things, Blessed are the poor in spirit, because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, because they will be comforted. Blessed are the gentle, because they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, because they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, because they will receive mercy. Blessed are the poor in heart, because they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, because they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. In fact, that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the gospel of our Lord. We pray. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Dear fellow redeemed friends in Christ Jesus, through whom all blessings flow. Have you ever found yourself blessed in a way that is fairly paradoxical, unorthodox, in a way that that maybe you or, or at least the world around you don't regard as as a true blessing? No, I'm not saying these things. I wouldn't be fool enough to say these things, but, but things like um, having red hair or lots of freckles or having smaller than average hands or larger than average feet. Some people, not me, not me, don't get mad at me, some people would regard those as unconventional blessings. One of my football coaches in college said that I was blessed with being deceptively slow. Unconventional blessings, right? Things that most people don't regard as blessings. And that's kind of what we have here in these Beatitudes, right? Blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who are hungry and thirsty, who are insulted and persecuted. Really? You're blessed if those things describe you? That is, by definition, unconventional, isn't it? Paradoxical. It doesn't seem to make any sense. The dictionary definition of unconventional is this not based on or conforming to what is generally done or believed. It's totally upside down, right? Totally backwards from the way we normally think, from the way the world thinks, but today we're going to see that we are truly, richly, if unconventionally, blessed. So Jesus is beginning his Sermon on the Mount, one of the most famous sections in Scripture, chapters 5 through 7, And he begins it with the one word blessed, makarios in the Greek. It's not a a happiness. This doesn't mean that you're jumping up and down for joy. It's not a momentary thing. It It is rather a condition in which you live. It's an umbrella under which you live. That you are blessed. And Jesus used that same word nine times. It's almost like he's holding up a gem or a diamond and and looking at different facets of what it means to be blessed by God. The first four of these blessings have to do with our, our relationship with God, our standing before Him. Jesus says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who mourn the gentle, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. 
But that's not what the devil, the world, or your sinful flesh want you to think, is it? In fact, that's the exact opposite message of every religion outside of Christianity in the world. And unfortunately, and I would say even disgustingly, that's not the message that you will hear in many Christian churches today. The rich in spirit, those, are, those who are full of themselves and think they are good in the eyes of God all on their own, they're the ones who are blessed. Those, not those who mourn, but those who are happy and glad all the time, those are the people who are blessed. Not those who hunger and seek for righteousness, but those who seem to get whatever they want in life, those are the people who seem to be blessed in so many places. And you hear that, like I said, sadly, in many Christian churches. The, the message is really, even if it's not spoken out loud, the message is that God likes winners. If God likes you, then you will be a winner. After all, it happened, it, it happened that way for the guy on the stage in front of you, right? He's wearing a $3,000 suit. He's got a pretty wife. His kids are honor roll on the honor roll. He's got his own private jet, maybe. Maybe he doesn't even have to shovel his own driveway or drive his own car. And so the unspoken message is that if you just turn your life over to Christ, if you just give enough, if you just name it and claim it enough, then you will be blessed like Him. You will be a winner in the eyes of God too. That's how the world sees it. That's how our sinful flesh wants to see it. Or maybe here's another example. The NFL conference championships are later on this afternoon. Isn't it incredible how God is always only on the side of the winner? Right? When they're giving their interviews afterwards, you never hear somebody say, I thank God that I, I biffed that field goal that could have won us a game. You never say, I, I thank God that I tripped over my own two feet when I could have scored a touchdown. You never see a lineman get down on one knee and point to, to heaven after they get called for holding. Right? It's only when good things happen that God gets any of the credit. And yet, that's exactly what is being described here, that Jesus is describing, that we are blessed when the condition of your life is the opposite of what the entire world considers to be blessed. So we'll take them one by one. First of all, blessed are the poor in spirit. Now this isn't financially poor. This has nothing to do with finances, but poor spiritually. Spiritually bankrupt. You are blessed if you recognize and confess that you have nothing good to give to God. The only thing that you can bring to Him is your sin, is your guilt from your past, is your dysfunctional marriage and your dysfunctional family. You are blessed if you realize that you cannot please God on your own. You are blessed if you take the posture of that tax collector in the temple who couldn't even look up to heaven but could only beat his breast and say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. You are blessed if that is your posture towards a holy God. Blessed are those who mourn. We saw a nation or at least a football stadium in mourning just a couple of weeks ago, right? When uh, the Buffalo Bills player that safety, DeMar Hamlin, when he collapsed, he literally fell dead on the field. They had to restart his heart several times. We saw an entire stadium. We saw both teams. They were all down on one knee. They were all praying. Now, Why is it a blessing when we are brought to that type of position that we are mourning? 
It could be mourning over a death. But what Jesus says here is broader than that. We ought to be mourning over our sins. We ought to be mourning over the sinful state of our lives. We ought to be mourning over the fact that we have not loved others as we should, or God above all things. We should, yes, we should mourn over the fact that there is so much evil in our world that babies are aborted at a sickening pace. That God's design for marriage and sexuality has been so corrupted by the devil. We should mourn over those things. But why is a person blessed when you mourn? I mean, you don't think of the people standing around a grave site as their loved one is being lowered six feet under. You don't point at them and say, man, they are really blessed. And yet they are. How? Why? Well, I think that football player and his tragedy that happened to him on the football field is a good example. I think that's exactly the point, right? Were any of those people thinking about God? All of those thousands of people in the stadium, any of those two football teams, they were completely focused on football. But that moment, in that moment of tragedy, where did their minds go? They began to pray. They realized that football is not the only thing in this world, that and that they have very little control over anything. If a football player at the height of his health can collapse dead on a field, that's a good reminder for us of our own mortality, right? Because when we are mourning, whether it's over our own sinfulness or whether it's at the death of a loved one, then we are ready for the comfort of the gospel. Then we are ready to hear that the ultimate good news is that Jesus has conquered death And the loved one you're putting into the ground will rise again, and you will too. So blessed are you when you mourn. Blessed are the gentle. No way. That's not the way this world works. If you want the world to be your oyster, you've got to squeeze it. You've got to trample other people to get what you want. You've got to be ready and willing to knock anyone or anything that gets in your way down so that you can succeed. Gentleness? When did gentleness ever get anyone anywhere? How many gentle people have risen to the top of business or sports or government? No, you need to have an ego. You need to be looking out for number one. Gentleness? Of course not. But the only reason you're here is because you believe that Jesus is the ultimate winner. And Jesus wasn't just gentle, he wore it as a badge of honor. As he said, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me because I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus was gentle. He was the most gentle human being to ever live and that was his greatest strength. His gentleness, his strong gentleness allowed him to turn the other cheek when others mocked or slapped him. His gentleness led him to go to the cross like a lamb to the slaughter. His gentleness led him to lay down his life, not for his friends, but for his enemies. His gentleness led him to pray to his Father from the cross, Father, forgive these people who are executing me. That's strength in gentleness. And as believers, we can exhibit the same. But as we see, and and we're only through three of the Beatitudes now, but do you sense that these are things that don't 
inherently belong to us, that we are not by nature poor in spirit or gentle, and we would much rather jump up and down at a football game than mourn at the death of a loved one. It's because, first and foremost, these blessings apply to Jesus. He is the one who fulfills them. These blessings are inherently His because He is the perfect Son of God, but through faith in Him, these blessings belong to you as well. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. That's not just having a growling belly or a parched throat. That is longing for something that you know cannot be yours. That you cannot attain on your own. We cannot make ourselves righteous. Oh, we try, don't we? Sunday mornings, we we put on our Sunday best. We try to act extra nice to other people and have a smile on our faces. But that just covers up the rot that lives underneath. Well, sure, we can do some good things. We can help other people out. We can post all sorts of politically correct nonsense on our social media pages. But we cannot make ourselves righteous. And therefore, we must long for that righteousness. Long for the righteousness that only Christ can give us. As Paul says, God made him who did not know sin to become sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Here's the big secret that most of the world doesn't understand. You know how people virtue signal and change the background on Facebook to whatever the topic or issue of the day is. How people want to appear to be good. As they say these days, you want to be on the right side of history regarding any particular issue. Why do they want that? Because they are hungering and thirsting. They want to be deemed righteous. That is not guilty in the eyes of God. But they don't understand that it's only the eyes of God that matters. You can be on the right side of human history. You can be with the majority in the country and you can still be dead wrong. But through Jesus, you have that thing that everyone is claiming as hungering and thirsting for. You have the righteousness of Christ. You do stand right now before God not guilty. So those are the first four. The second four turn to our relationship with others. Blessed are the merciful. You know what mercy is? Mercy is not giving someone what they deserve. The most important manifestation of mercy in the life of a believer in our marriages, in our families, and right here in our church, you know what the most important manifestation of mercy is? It's forgiveness. It's the willingness to forgive others even when they hurt us, even when they sin against us. Isn't that what we pray for every week? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. It's not seeking a pound of flesh. It's not trying to get evil. It's not seeking vengeance. And that's the exact opposite of the way the world acts, isn't it? We just saw it again this weekend. Tragically, Tyree Nichols was murdered by five police officers. At least that's what the story is. We'll see what, the, uh, what comes out after the investigation is over. But there were riots, there were protests in cities all across the country And what were they saying? Were they saying, we forgive you? No. The exact opposite. They were calling out for vengeance. 
They wanted their pound of flesh. They want to see those police officers punished severely. That's the opposite of mercy. And so it is unorthodox when Christians like us can show mercy, especially to those who are closest to us in our lives. Jesus goes on, blessed are the poor in heart. You've heard the saying that ignorance is bliss, right? Is that true? Well, it is at least when it comes to this verse. Ignorance is bliss when we are naive and ignorant of evil. It's kind of the opposite of being street smart. You know, if you're, if you're well known as being street smart, well, you know how the ways of the world work and you know how to work them in your favor. But as Christians, the Lord says we are blessed if we don't know all the wicked ways of the world. That's unconventional, right? I've even heard parents and often Christian parents say, I don't ever want to send my child to a Christian or a Lutheran school because I don't want to shelter them from the wicked ways of the world. Really? What sense does that make? That's like saying, I, don't, I want my child to drink spoiled milk or eat moldy food because I don't want to, I don't want to shelter them from all those toxins. I want them to get sick. Really? What sense does that make? We are to be pure in heart. At the same time, though, who of us can say that we are pure in heart? Who of us can say that we are naive to the wicked ways of the world by the TV shows we watch or the websites we visit or the words that come out of our mouth? Can you? You Solomon asks in the book of Proverbs, who can say, I have purified my heart? I am cleansed from my sinfulness. I can't say that. Can you? Well, actually, yes, you can. Because the blood of Jesus purifies all of our hearts from all of their sin. And so you are, as you walk out those doors, you are naive to evil, to the wicked ways of the world. Blessed are the peacemakers. This isn't an inner peace. This is, this is creating peace where there wasn't any peace. And that's unconventional, right? Who really wants to step in when there are two co-workers fighting? Do you really want to get in the middle of that? If you have a, a married couple as your friends and you know that they're at each other's throats, do you really want to step in and get in the middle of that? If you know that there are members of our church who are fighting with each other, do you really want to step into the middle of that? There are a lot of reasons not to, but the biggest one of all is When people are fighting with each other and you step in in the middle of it, what's likely to happen? You might take some collateral damage. They may focus some of that anger that they've had at each other at at you. So why would we do such a foolish thing and step in and try to create peace where there is none? Well, that's because that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus stepped into the breach between God and us when we were his enemies and he was angry at us over our sin. And you know what happened? Jesus took all of the collateral damage. We crucified him. God made him suffer the torments of hell so that we could be brought to peace with God. Jesus is the ultimate peacemaker. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. There are two important qualifiers here. Blessed are you, meaning disciples, meaning believers. You're only blessed in the context of your faith in Jesus 
This does not apply to unbelievers. And Jesus says, blessed are you when you are insulted and persecuted because of me. You're not blessed when you are insulted or mocked or ridiculed because you put something foolish or offensive on social media. You're not blessed when you are insulted or persecuted by members of the opposite political party. You're not blessed just because you cheer for a different football team. Vikings fans, I'm looking at you. You're not blessed in general when you're insulted or persecuted. You're only blessed when that persecution is connected to Christ. When you are persecuted and insult because you are standing firmly on the truth of God's word against a world that is filled with falsehood. When you stand firm saying that abortion is a sin, it is murder. When you stand firm on God's plan for sexuality and marriage that includes only one man and one woman and that sex should only take place within that union. When you stand firm in saying that in the beginning God created man and woman and men do not become women and women cannot become men. When you stand firm in the law and gospel truth that Jesus will return to take all who believe in him to heaven, but that all who have rejected him, they will go to hell, even though that is a very unpopular message today. Just a few years ago, Aaron Rodgers, the the great god of Wisconsin, the great philosopher of our age, said that he couldn't bring himself to believe in a God who would send people to hell because he can't imagine that someone would condemn their beautiful creation and creatures to an eternity of torment. Well, I hate to differ with Mr. Rogers, but he's absolutely wrong. Heaven is real and so is hell. But you are blessed when people insult you and persecute you for saying such truths, for standing firm in the Word of God. This is all rather unconventional, isn't it? These blessings. If you were to post those things on Facebook, if you were to say, man, I'm really blessed today, I'm I'm really sad over my sin. Or I'm really blessed today because I realize that I have nothing good to offer to God except for my brokenness. Or if you say, I really hunger and thirst for righteousness because I don't have that on my own. Or if you say, I have forgiven the person who has done something horrible to me, the world would think you're crazy, that you've lost it. Because it's all backwards, it's all upside down from the way the world works, and that's exactly the point. And you understand the Beatitudes the best when you understand that Jesus is this blessed one. He's the one who left the riches of heaven to become poor for our sakes. He's the one who came and shed a tear at the death of his friend Lazarus, even though he is the author of life. He's the one who hungered and thirsted for our righteousness so much that he gave his body and blood to win it for us. He's a peacemaker who made peace between us and God. He was insulted and he was persecuted to the point of death in his life. And you know what? Jesus is still the most hated person in the world. To still to this day. He died 2,000 years ago and he's still the most hated person in this world. But he undergoes it all for you so that we might be blessed. So are these unconventional blessings? Yes, but we accept them and we rejoice in them 
Because Jesus is the blessed one and He has shared through baptism, He has shared His blessed status before God with us. So when these things happen and they're hard and they're painful, there's no doubt about that. But when they happen, don't be sad. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Amen.